Hey, Nitsan Mosri here, The Traveling Investor, and welcome to another show, another live show of The Traveling Investor Show. We're live on Facebook and YouTube. And holding true to my name, The Traveling Investor, if you can see behind me, I'm in the great city of New York. That's right, Manhattan. I'm at the Lowe's Hotel. I'm here for Memorial Day weekend celebrating a friend's wedding. And, you know, this is, this is what life is all about. It's about being able to live life on your terms, travel the world, spend time with family and friends, and make beautiful memories. Now, if this is the first time on the show, do me a favor, check out my YouTube channel, The Traveling Investor. Go there, like, subscribe, share, comment on videos. I've got tons and tons of content and information on how you can go out and build a business that will revolve around your lifestyle and create passive cash flow. See, for me, the definition of wealth is not having it. Does, it's not about having money in the bank because if you have money in the bank, that can go away. You can spend it and that's it. You're done. Wealth to me is defined by how much money do I have coming in every month that I don't have to work for, that I start something once and it continuously keeps giving. It's the gift that keeps giving. And apartment complexes, real estate, rentals are the best gift that keeps on giving. You buy a property once, you put in a good management company in there, you let it rock and roll, you make sure that they're doing their job right. And every month you bring in that excess cash flow right into your pocket. I call it mailbox money. You know why? Because every month I go to the mailbox and I open the mailbox and there's money there. If I worked or if I didn't, that's the beautiful thing. And here I'm spending a beautiful weekend in New York City with my family and friends. And it's just an awesome thing. You know, but the beautiful thing about what we're doing also is we have to create, ah, I get this word, I think it's a French word, a niche, right? A niche. So, We've got to create niches in the different markets that we're in and really dial into that niche so that we can be the experts in that one arena, right? You see, the thing is, is that in real estate or in any industry, bitcoins, uh, stock market, mutual funds, forex, doesn't matter what industry you're in, there are thousands and thousands of shiny pennies. Right. So, for example, you can start off in real estate by doing single family fix and flips. But then you go, oh, wait a minute. What about tax liens? What about tax deeds? What about foreclosures? What about short sales? What about warehousing? What about self-storage, office building, medical, apartment complexes? Right. Doesn't matter what it is. Pick your niche and become the expert in it. That is an incredible way to really explode your wealth and to explode everything about your business is by being niche about it. And remember, the tagline of my radio show is called, is what? Master your mind, body, and wallet, right? So today's guest is, is a gentleman. He goes by the name of, of Colorado Paul Wells. And he's killing it today in one of the hottest spaces in residential real estate. And that is something that we call accessory dwelling units, okay? Otherwise known as ADUs, right? Granny flats, mother-in-law suites. We've heard these terms before, right? It's where that little house in the back that's there. It's maybe like a little studio. could be a one-bedroom, right, where you put the mother-in-law, you put the guests, all that kind of stuff, right? Paul is a nationally recognized author, speaker, coach, and national media commentator on distressed real estate investing. So I suggest, as always, grabbing a pen, paper, and get ready to take some notes. And if you have questions, feel free to type in your questions down below, and we'll have Paul and myself answer your questions live. All right. Paul is known as the Granny Flats guy, all right, as he is known to build his first ADU in 1990. We're in 2021. So that's about 21 years ago. Holy cow. He's been a full-time real estate investor for almost 20 years and investing in real estate for 30 years since working with Tony Robbins from 1998 to 
from 1998 to 1991. I don't know if those numbers, we'll get those numbers correct, those years. Paul's been a professional skier. He's worked on a Colorado dude ranch. I've always wanted to go and, and spend time on a dude ranch. Uh, he's been as a wrangler at 55 years old to actually being on an airplane on 9-11. We'll, we'll hear more about that. That horrible day moved him to be to make life-changing decision to be a full-time real estate investor. And he's going to tell you why that day is significant in his journey as a real estate developer. So his zest for life will be obvious and his mission as an evangelist for accessory dwelling units will be clear. So without further ado, I want to bring in this awesome guy, Paul Wells. Paul? Nitsan, how are you? I'm doing well, my friend. How are you doing? I've got every day above ground's pretty damn good. Hey, that's what I always say, right? <laughs> I'm on this side of the ground and it's a good day. That's for sure. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate you asking me to come in and, and share my passion uh, oh. in real estate development in the niche or niche. I can never figure it out either. It's a French word, so I guess we can, you know, can go either way, right? Correct. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, so thanks for being on the show. I yeah. know you're super busy. You know, it's been fantastic. So, you know, I, I let, let's let's hear the story of Paul Wells from before real estate, before all that, right? I guess we're going around, you know, pre nine eleven and then nine eleven, and and how that shifted you. And, and yes. speaking of nine eleven, man, I'm in that perfect city right now to talk about it. Are you, you in New York right now? Yeah, I'm in New York. That's that's um, I'm on Park Avenue right now. God, what a beautiful area. That's a fun part of New York for sure. And um, yeah, you know, that's 20 years coming up in September. That's so right. it's been it's been a 20-year journey for sure. And you know, I, I grew up in uh, San Diego, in the East County of San Diego. And as soon as I was 17 years old, like I'm out of here. I moved to a place called Mammoth Mountain, became a professional skier. And did that for seven years, moved to Colorado in 1985, four years down in Durango, going to college down there, kept skiing, working with the race department down there, and then graduated and had the good fortune. Of, you know, one of the things that's on is, and, and I'm, am I pronouncing it right, Nitsan? That's fine. Yes, that's great. Okay. One of the things that I've learned for a long time is you focus, you, you can get what you focus on and you never know when something great is going to come from what you are passionate about. And so one of the things I've always wanted to do was drive a limousine because oh, I figured everybody's having a good time in a limousine. So I graduated from college, went back to San Diego for a couple months, and I have to have something to do. I don't sit around very well. Even at 61 years old, I still, you know, I retired five years ago and was retired for all of two weeks. Um, and that's when I went to join and work on the dude ranch. That was five years ago, oh, wow. but back in, um, 89, I drove a limousine, picked up Tony Robbins. Didn't have any idea who the guy was. No idea. I hadn't heard of him. Nothing about that. And we ended up having a great conversation for two hours because I was driving him up to the airport in Los Angeles, in the back of the limousine. And so after about an hour, the back window comes down and he jumps up, you know, to that front back seat and we start talking and you know when you're driving a limousine um you know you're working for tips basically and so we get up to the airport and this guy's told me who he is and all the stuff he's doing all this great stuff and he said you know i've got something for you and you can take i'll give you a couple hundred dollars of a tip or i'll give you my book and I'll give you $400 for a tip, but you have to read the book to get the $400 and you have to read it within three days. Oh, wow. Interesting. So I get up there. Okay, okay, I'll go for it. You know, I'll read the book because I'm interested in what he's saying. He takes $400 bills out, tears them in half, puts them inside the book, gives me his phone number and says, call me in three days. So I read the book over a three day period. Say, hey, this is good stuff. I like what's going on. So I called him. I said, hey, it's great. I'll just, you know, I'll give you your money back. I read the book. I think I'll learn a lot from it. Um, so he goes, okay, come on over, bring the book back. So I bring the book back over. We end up talking for about an hour and he hires me to go work as a national sales trainer. Oh, wow. So at that point in time, I was living in San Diego and went to, um, Went to work for him, worked for him for about a year and said, I got to buy some real estate, bought a piece of property in Encinitas, California, which is right above Del Mar where Tony was living. And I uh, um, had a two 
car garage in the back of this house. That's my first ADU, my first accessory dwelling unit. I see this two car garage. I'm traveling six to eight weeks at a time. And so I, so I built a studio out of this garage in the backyard, rented the front part of the house out, paid for my mortgage with the front part of the house, had a free place to live in the back that I could lock and leave. And so that was the coolest thing about it. I could lock the doors. I could leave for six weeks because our, our, our stints out on the road working for Tone were um, six weeks at a time. I'd do six weeks, come back, open up my little ADU in the back. I didn't even know it was an ADU at the time. I just knew it made some sense to build it. And I actually built it illegally because I didn't know what I was doing. But before I sold the house, went down to the city, got it permitted, grandfathered, sold the house for a nice little profit and moved out here to Colorado. And uh, loved living in Colorado, went to work in corporate America, started working in corporate America in 1990. I want to say three or four, something like that, and um, was working for Lucent Technologies, a software company, and was a, as a, a vice president of business for another software company called Gold Systems, and we did that. And uh, but you know what? That's how I was traveling. I had a brand new baby. Uh, Chloe was two years old at the time um, in 2000. When I said, you know what? This isn't working for me. I'm traveling 150 days a year. Um, and I'm tired when I come home and I'm leaving on Sundays. I'm not getting home till Fridays. This kind of sucks. But I was making really good money. I was like, what am I going to do? And I had been, you know, I had done my one real estate investment. I had two or three rental houses at the time. And as fate has it, sometimes life deals you fate. And I got on a plane on the morning of September 11th, flying from Denver to New York. And um, they put us down in Chicago. Captain came on and said, hey, we're going we're gonna to land in Chicago. Those of you who are veteran flyers are going to know this is a steep descent. We did it. We sat on that tarmac for five hours with an F-15 flying around the airport protecting us because nobody knew what was going on. And I can tell you exactly to the second when I made the decision to get out of corporate America. It was 930 in the morning, September 11th, 2001. So I am going to do something different. Um, went and spent the night at a hotel, was in Chicago for four days. But the second night we were there, I'm up late night, it's midnight, and I'm watching TV and a Carlton sheet, nothing down commercial comes on, right? You know this. And so I'm bored and I've got to find something else to do. And there's people that look like me, that sound like me, that say they're doing this. So what the hell? I bought the course. And two months later, my company had laid me off because technology went down the tubes. And 2001, I said, I am now a full-time real estate investor. And I had I'd saved enough money so the first year wasn't too bad. Um, but after that, I started buying and selling houses. And as they say, here we go. And I've done very well at it. I've enjoyed it. One of the things that Tony taught me, I, I find myself using a lot of the lessons that Tony taught me. One of them was massive action equals massive results. And I did that in my investing business. It paid off handsomely. And here we are, you know, 20 years later. Absolutely. Wow. That's, that's, that's an incredible story. That is an incredible story. You know, flying around, um, you know, being in a plane in September 11th and then landing. That's just, you know, it's, it, it, I'm, I got goosebumps right now just thinking of it. Me too. I, I get it too. I get shivers when I think about it. Yeah. I, 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 was, I was living in Israel at the time. And I, re I remember I was in my apartment in Tel Aviv looking over the ocean, uh, looking over the, uh, the Mediterranean. And my friend who just got called into the army, he calls me. He goes, hey, dude, we're at war. I said, what? He goes, we're at war. I go, what do you mean? He goes, they just bombed the Twin Towers in New York City. I said, nah, I said, it can't be. You know, maybe a small plane crashed into it. You know, who's going to say so? You know, who's going to knock down the Twin Towers? And I turn on the news and I see the second plane going into the building and I freaked out. I was like, oh, yeah. my God. You know, it's one of those days that you will never, you know, you'll never forget where you were, what you did, who you were with or anything like that. You know, true enough. Yeah. My ex-wife and my mom are calling me going, where are you? Because planes are crashing into buildings and they knew I was flying that day and they knew I was flying towards New York. So, right. yeah, it's it pretty crazy. So yeah, it's it's, it's I'm, I'm glad you were safe and I'm glad that you're here today and we can talk about it and you know we can reminisce, right? Let's uh let's yeah, real estate. Say that again? I said hundred percent. It's good to be here. Right? Absolutely. So tell us how so so you got started kind of on a fluke, 
with these ADUs, right? A little bit. So yeah, I, you know, I got started real estate investing and I've always known it's on that you make your money in real estate when you buy it, not when you sell it. Those buildings behind you, those guys made their money or gals made their money when they bought those buildings. They'll, they'll, re, they'll enjoy the returns when they sell it, but you've got to be a smart investor. And I learned that as well. And so I always knew the distressed property market was, was something I was very interested in. And I got very interested in, oh, two oh three in fix and flip. So buying a house that was a little bit dilapidated, fixing it up and selling. And I always learned from my first mentor, when you add square footage, you make money. And if you add square footage, you know, you're going to be able to sell it for more than you buy it for. And that's what happened. So I would buy these houses and I would remodel them. I would add, you know, an extra 500 square feet to the side of the house, extra room, something like that. And for every dollar I spent, I probably made $1.50. So that was pretty dang good. And then what ends up happening is we head into 2006. And I'm pretty good at the time. I've, I've written courses on buying foreclosures. I've written courses on buying liens. I've written courses on rehabbing. And I'm now at this point in time, I'm speaking around the country about it. A, I like to speak from working for Tony. He taught, you know, best platform speaker I've ever seen by far. And he taught me about uh, speaking from the front of the room. And I loved it. Never was shy, never intimidated. And so I got out there and was on the quote unquote real estate investor circuit, going to real estate clubs, teaching people how to buy foreclosures, how to buy liens, how to do rehabs. And, um, 06, 07 is coming along. One of my mentors was an ex-banker. And he said, listen, you're already buying foreclosures. I'm telling you in the next 12 months, there's going to be blood in the streets. Start getting foreclosures now. Start picking them up. And so I did. And I um, learned how to take over houses, what's called subject to the existing financing, meaning people basically gave you their house in order to save their credit and not go into foreclosure. Did very well with that. And about 2008, I get a phone call one afternoon from a producer at CNBC. They said, hey, we've heard what you're doing. I'd like to talk to you a little bit about it. And we had a 15 minute call. Said, hey, we'd love for you to come on and do um, a first show with a gal. Her name was Maria Barda. I can't remember her name, um, but she was a CNBC commentator. I think she's still on CNBC, but um, they asked me to come on and I talked for two, three minutes about the state of the market when it came to the foreclosure numbers and what was happening and um, got very good at that part of it. And between investing and getting my name known and selling courses, et cetera, did pretty well and was able to retire in 2016, which was awesome. Thought it was anyway. <laughs> I got bored. <laughs> that's that's it happens right yeah Gordon sets in and you kind of wondering what goes on next and so in stepping back a little bit in 2012 i i was wasn't working as hard as i was the previous few years but i'd always known about this adu that i had built in san diego in the back of my mind but this is pretty cool because it's perfect for an aging in place parent or an aging in place loved one it's perfect for the short-term rental market it's perfect for the long-term rental market perfect for a home office perfect for a studio, perfect for kids coming home from college. There's so many things you can do with these and they were super flexible. So I bought a piece of property in Denver where I was living at the time and tore it down and built a brand new single family home and a detached ADU because there's four different types of ADUs. I like building the detached ones. They're called DADUs, detached ADU. And I enjoy building those more than I enjoy the other three types. And so I started building them. And every time that I would build one, I would sell it very quickly. So let's say um, average days on market for a property for sale in Denver at that time was 75 days. I was selling my houses in two to three days. Oh, wow. Like, huh. Okay. Don't have to hit me over the head too many times to figure out we got something here. And I kept building them and building them and they kept selling quicker and quicker and quicker. And so I started doing three to four a year. And um, every time I built one, sold it very quickly, made really good money on them and just have been doing that nonstop since 2012, full time with ADUs. So you're basically going, you're buying a house, it's got some land in the back, and then you're building this separate little ADU unit 
And from from what wood, concrete depends on 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 where you're buying it. Now, are you buying the homes in your backyard, or are you going cross state lines, doing it, you know, remotely? How how are you doing these? So at this point in time, I was living in Denver. Denver was a very good real estate market at the time. It still is. Every place is good right now. Uh, but I would find the right property. You have to find the right property. You have to have at least a quarter of an acre. You have to have a good site survey or site plan. Um, you have to have the right kind of lot. If your lot is like on the side of a hill, it's going to be very difficult to build an ADU on the side of a hill, very expensive. So I was finding houses that had nice backyards. And by the way, they had access to the nice backyard. Now you can do prefab homes and they can lift the prefab home above the home with a crane and drop it down. But at that time, they weren't really doing a lot of prefab ADUs. And so I would find the right property and I wasn't telling anybody what I was doing. I just was going to look and I knew what I wanted to do, but I wasn't going to give away my strategy. And so I put a house under contract and then I would go to the city. And this is what I suggest all of your viewers do. If you're interested in an ADU, you go to Google and you type in accessory dwelling unit regulations for your city. So let's say accessory dwelling, dwelling regulation, accessory dwelling unit regulations for Denver County, for Jefferson County, for Los Angeles County, for New York County, whatever they are. And, and it will come up with the regulations for accessory dwelling units. Now, do not type in ADUs because ADU is the first three letters of the word adult and you will have some very unique search results come back to you if you type in ADU regulations. Uh, and so you type those in and so I would go and I, I knew what my zoning was, I knew what my permits were and I knew I could do it and then I closed on the house. But I always checked with zoning regulations and seeing what permits were gonna cost, et cetera. Now, one of the cool things about ADUs that make them very profitable, you know this, when you buy like, let's say a fresh lot, dirt lot with no structures on it, you have to pay for the utilities to be put on the lot, meaning you have to pay for tap fees uh, to connect the sewer and the water to that particular dwelling unit. With ADUs, you get to tap into the existing utilities. You can put a sub panel on the side of the ADU for electricity, but you get to tap into the water and the sewer and save yourself a tremendous amount of money in tap fees. So everything about them was really profitable and they were really fun. And so uh, I got distracted by the lines behind you. I'm, I'm expecting to see a window washer come by. Right, or Spider-Man, Spider-Man or Batman and Robin. Right, right. Um, so they were very profitable in a lot of different ways. And so that's, that's what we've done. And uh, I'm, I'm still building them. And I'm building only about one a year, one every eight or nine months. I just don't want to work that hard anymore. Mm -hmm. And having fun. I'm really trying hard to become the uh, third worst golfer in the state of Colorado. I'm succeeding. There you uh, go. <laughs> but that's kind of what I'm doing and how it got started. Wow, that's fantastic. That, that's awesome. So tell us, you know, how important is it for a real estate investor, anybody getting involved in a business right now to be very niche in their in their industry. Is, has that helped you with your success? Well, with the ADU part of it, for sure, because there's not very, very many ADU builders in, um, or ADU developers, I should say. ADU builders are pretty easy. People say, oh, you've got to find the right contractor to build you an ADU. No, you don't. You know, give a good contractor a set of plans. They're going to be able to build whatever you give them plans to. The real trick is to find a good designer. Somebody who is adept at, at knowing some of the idiosyncrasies that make ADUs very attractive. I've learned a lot of little tricks about what buyers want in an ADU. And even they don't even know what they want until they see my ADUs. For example, eight-foot doors. Love eight-foot doors. Makes that little house look much bigger. Uh, things like that. Wider doors. Door, you, know, you know the hanging barn doors that hang on that bracket? We use those instead of door hinge doors. Little things like that that just they, they, they just add a little bit to them. So when you talk about niches, absolutely, it's good to have a niche when it comes to building these ADUs for sure. Um, I, I have three niches that I work on. One is my acquire, my acquisition niche, and that's finding houses that are in distress 
foreclosures, buying them subject to buying houses that are not in great shape. The next one is the improved niche. I know how to improve a piece of property to make it more valuable than it was when I bought it. And then the third part of that niche is how to profit from it. So ADUs can be incredibly profitable in a number of different ways. And if you'd like or bring it up in a little bit, I'll tell you the different ways you can really profit from having an ADU. So I really have three niches that I work well in. My acquisition, my improvements, and how to profit from those pieces of property. Wow, that's fantastic. So you see travelers, you know, you got to have a niche. You got to know what you're doing and you got to do your homework, right? From what I'm listening to, you you really got to know what you're doing. You can't just go and buy a house and then just, you know, after you bought it, say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put an ADU or whatnot. You really got to understand what you're buying first, right? And you got to know what the zoning is, how much it's going to cost to build, what materials you're going to use, what is going to be your profit margin, right? Mm -hmm. All sure. that you have to you need to know before you actually buy the property, right? Oh, yes. I think you do for sure. You've got to know your numbers in real estate. Um, and what's like anything, it's like any business. You know, the, the people that know their numbers are the people that succeed. If you're just out there throwing stuff against the wall, hoping it sticks, yeah, right now you'd get lucky because the market's out of control. But I would my my most profitable years were 2007 through 2010, the quote unquote recession where everything was terrible. I made a ton of money. It was great. <laughs> um, and right. so you, you've got to kind of know what you're doing. You have to have strategy. And, you know, one of the other things I learned from Tony was success leaves clues. So does failure. So let's follow people that are successful. And I think it's um, it works in any business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Success definitely leaves clues. Failure leaves clues. You know, but I also like to say, and, I, and I'm sure Tony said, and I'm sure you, you know it as well, there is no success without failure, right? Kind of goes hand in hand. You know, a lot of times people are afraid to take massive action or any type of action mm -hmm. for fear of failure, right? Oh, what if it doesn't work? What if, what if I lose money? What if I whatever, right? What if? Um, and that what if, you know, what if I lose? What if I fail? What if I look, what if I look like a fool in front of my friends and family? What ifs? That what if stops people from ever getting on that road and path to success. So what do you have to say to people that are, are afraid about taking action because of failure? So it, it's really interesting because you, you, you come into some philosophies that I think are super important. Um, you talk about fear. fear. The acronym for fear is false evidence that appears real. How bad can it be? You you told me that you were you were living in Israel in 2001 when 9/11 hit. You know, <laughs> I live here in Western Colorado. It's it's a gorgeous part of the country. We love it. And I watched what happened last week in you know, in in, in Israel and watch what those people went through. And just I think to myself every morning when I get up how lucky I am. You know, and I'm, and I'm not saying that to disparage any part of the world, but I look at Syria. I look at other places in the world that seem to me to be very oppressed. And I'm saying, what's the worst that can happen? And by the way, I've had this attitude for 60 years. I really have. My mom and dad have always said, man, you've always been, you know, a positive thinker. And I have been. And I like it like that. So fear is false evidence that appears real. Um, offers, making offers, you know, massive action. So when I was learning how to be a real estate investor, I was going to real estate clubs, listening to speakers, talking about making 25 offers a month. I'm like, shit, I can make 25 offers a week. And so that's what I did. I started making 100 offers a month. And I started getting deals coming in and I started networking with people who saw it. And so it was this snowball effect with the people that I was networking with, with the people I was doing business with. Uh, and it is just it's, it's perpetuated into at times very successful times. Sometimes it's been rough, uh, but it has been it's a mindset. It, it's like, you know. If you believe you can or you believe you can't, you're right. I would make offers on houses that were so low 
that they were embarrassing until I started getting offers accepted. You know, hey, this house is worth $100,000 today. Okay, cool. I'll give you $45,000 cash for it. We'll close in a week. I'll pay all closing costs. What do you think? No, 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 no. Yes. Ha. You make your money in real estate when you buy it, not when you sell it. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and it's all about making those offers, right? Mm -hmm. I remember I was, you know, when I was flipping houses as well in, in 06, uh, in 08, 09 and whatnot, um, I was doing the same thing. I was sending out offers that people were coming back to me going, are you crazy? Really? Did you just offer that? I offered $16,000 on a three bedroom, two bath concrete block home, 15, 20 minutes from where I live in South Florida. And people go, what are you crazy? Maybe I am, maybe I'm not, but I'll put that offer out. Let's see what happens, right? Right, right, right. Like said, no, 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 until somebody said yes. And then the first person that said no called me back and said, well, you know what? Would you do 20? I said, you know what? I can't. I'll do 16. All right, let's do it. Right. But if you'd never take that step, if you never, you know, if you're not, if, if you're worried about having egg on your face or if you're worried about failure or whatnot, you're never going to enjoy life. You're always going to be on the sidelines watching everybody else who's taking the risk go right by you. Right. And at times fall past you. Some people, you know, take risks and make bad decisions, make bad strategic, uh, you know, decisions. But there are, there are, there are ways to mitigate, I think, um, ways to mitigate the downside. Like for example, on these ADUs, think about four different types of ADUs. There's the DADU, the detached ADU, which I talked about. Um, that's the small, it's basically a custom built home in your backyard. You know, we tell people when we're building them, they, hey, I want to build a thousand foot ADU, detached ADU in my backyard. Okay. It's going to be about $300,000. What? $300,000. Yeah. But let me give you some numbers that are going to make it seem like it's a no brainer decision. And I'm happy to share a couple examples for you if you want as we go after we go through these four. So there's the detached ADU. Then there's called the GADU, the garage ADU. A lot of people we get want to build that um, apartment above the garage. We call them Fonzie flats. Because if you remember in happy days, Fonzie right. lived above the Cunningham's garage. Mm -hmm. So that's a Fonzie flat, a GADU. Then we have what is traditionally the ADU, the accessory dwelling unit, and that's building a room or an ADU on the side of an existing SFR, single family home. And the ADU business is ripe with acronyms. Um, so that's the side one. That's the traditional ADU. And then there is what we call a junior ADU or a JADU, J-A-D-U. And that's 500 square feet or less generally built inside the single family home, traditionally down in a basement area. So those are the four types of ADUs. Now, we get a lot of questions about container ADUs mm, and prefab ADUs. Yeah, the container ADUs are great, except um, I, you know, I haven't got excited about them yet, but they, they are definitely um, more cost advantageous. Mm -hmm. But you really, you've got to do a lot of um, retrofitting to make them work right. But yeah, they can look pretty dang cool. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and 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 I, you know, those container ADs, they, they seem pretty easy. Like you said, prefab. They just come. They they put them in your house and whatnot, and they go. But you know, let let, let let's let's if you don't mind, let's run some numbers. Like you sure. were saying. You sure. Know? Well, let's think about. Let, let me give you what I think are. So let me ask you this, not, not considering New York City, probably the highest price per square foot neighborhoods in the world. Let's just say a place outside of New York City. And you guys on, on the feed can think about this to yourself. What does a two-bedroom house cost to rent a month? $2,000, $3,000? Yeah, about that. Let's just call it $2,000. Mm -hmm. So if I build a 1,000-square-foot ADU at... $300,000. Okay, that's $300 a square foot. If I can get $2,000 for it, how long will it take me to get back that $300,000? 150 months, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, let's say my payment, let, let's say I got a 10-year HELOC loan at 4%. That's about $2,000 a month in payments. So, 
you would be able to pay that ADU off, that detached ADU off in 15 years at those numbers. So that's pretty good. You get a payment back, you get some long-term renter paying you back at 2,000 a month. All right, let's look at it a different way. Let's say you've built a two bedroom ADU, cost you $300,000. Let's say you have an aging in place parent. Your aging in place parent has been living in a 3,000 square foot house for 40 years, raised you there, et cetera. They are tired and if they're 70, 80 years old, they're tired of living in a house that big. They're utilizing probably 30 to 40% of the space since the kids aren't there anymore. And that parent is wanting to downsize. How about we build a detached ADU in the back of that big house, if possible, and let mom, dad, mom or dad, whatever life circumstances have brought, live in that back ADU and let the kids and the grandkids live up front. Now what we've done is we've created a positive family environment, a family compound, if you will, that it will make the remaining chapters of mom and dad's life very, very good, very feeling good. Um, they're with their family. They're with their kids. I can tell you story after story of clients who've done this, who it's just created a positive family environment and positive family impact. Okay, let's go a step further. Mom and dad, 70, 75 years old and living in the big house, let's say, and they're starting to need just a little bit of care. They need, you know, some help with their daily medicine. Not much, just a little. They may need the laundry done once a week, twice a week. They may need some simple cleaning done. They may just need or want only one hot meal a day. And if you need somebody to help them do that and you don't have an ADU, where are they going to go? They're going to have to go to some kind of assisted or senior living facility. You know what it costs right now on average for a senior living facility for a little 15 by 15 bedroom and three meals a day, about $5,000 a month minimum. Correct. Okay. So how about if mom or dad go live in that back house, family takes care of them just a little bit, and it costs $3,000 a month or 2000 I'm sorry, $2,000 a month to pay for that back house. Aren't you saving now $3,000 a month by not having an assisted living? Aren't you making mom or dad's or loved one's life in the final chapters as we go through life? And we're all going to die. And so it gets harder as you get older. Aren't you making their experience far more valuable when they're there with their family and their grandkids and their kids. You know what people say, well, I don't want my mom and dad to come live with me. Guess what? They don't want to live with you. <laughs> they like their independence. They want to do their own thing. The other thing that's positive about it is um, they want to stay in the same neighborhood. They want to see the same friends. They're comfortable with the restaurants they like going to. They know where to go shopping. They're very comfortable there. So that's the first thing to think about. Let's talk about another one. How about short-term rentals? The short-term rental space is incredible. I mean, it's blowing up. Yep. What if you could get $3,000 a month for your little ADU in the background? And by the way, people will say, well, you know, don't want to do short-term rentals. People will tear my house up. That's not what I've heard. What I've heard is that when the owner lives in the front property and they're short-terming the back, it stays very mellow and very low key. Some other ideas for short-term rentals. How about the tra traveling medical profession? Mm -hmm. You know, they love if you if you live near a hospital and you can build an ADU. My gosh, you're golden. So there are some ideas thinking about how to make money. That's and yeah, it's it, the ROI. Nissan is incredible. The ROI is unbelievable. Absolutely, that's fantastic. Yeah, and, and you know, talking about the, the short-term vacation rentals, uh, I, I was reading somewhere that the CEO of Airbnb said, you know, coming out of this pandemic and whatnot, there are millions of short-term rental shortages mm -hmm. in, the, in all over the world, and they need more, you know, short-term rentals to come on the market so that people can have so that they can go. So this is a great little solution to that problem. Well, let me tell you a little caveat to that. Accessory dwelling units are basically designed to be an additional housing, um, additional housing structure 
in conjunction with the single family housing. Some municipalities do not allow single family homes or ADUs to be used for short term rentals. So it's something you really want to be well aware of what the uh, regulations are in your area. However, I will tell you that um, there are no short term rental police rolling around. There's really not. You know what? I'm going to have, I'm going to shut my microphone down for just a second. I'm going to stand up and shut my window. Because sure. I'm about ready to dump a load of rocks out of a dump truck outside the room. <laughs> you're you going to hear that. So there are so many advantages. The ROI is so good with these. And it, it really, it does take um, some pre-planning and it does take some, site evaluation and there are some professionals that you want to have in your team on your team you want to have a designer you don't need an architect you can get a designer and get a structural engineer to help you out you want to have a good contractor and that's one of the things we do is we talk about contractors and how to find a good one so you want to have a good contractor you want to have a good landscape designer and do that as well. One of the things that I recommend for people who have never managed a project like this, if you're gonna if you're gonna do a detached ADU and you're gonna spend three hundred grand, spend five thousand dollars on a project manager, somebody who oversees all of the uh, the project from beginning to end, because it is a project. There are steps involved. There are invoices that have to be paid. There are dates that have to be met. There are draws that the contractors are going to want. And if your listeners have never done this on their own, it can be a daunting task to be a, a project manager. That's right. Absolutely. I, I, I agree with you 100%. If you don't know what you're doing, you got to hire someone that does. It'll save you a lot of time, a lot of heartache, a lot of stress, mm -hmm. right? And and if you're if if you're when you're doing your numbers, if you're already calculating it into your numbers and into your budget, you know, just go ahead and like you said, just just go and find someone that'll do it because we always want to do what what will bring us the the highest ROI, right? Sure, sure. So if you know if I if my best my highest and best usage of my time is finding the next deal, well, I don't want to spend my time being the project manager. I'd rather go out and find the deal so that we can continue moving it, right? So everybody has to need, you need to know what your highest and best usage of your time is, what you like to do and what you're good at doing and let everybody else do everything else. That's yeah, I, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a fine balancing act to be able to do right. The other thing I'm going to strongly suggest people that, that are thinking about doing this is add 10 to 15% to your time budget and your monetary budget. Because you, there are going to be curveballs that are going to come. And by the way, this is not a short-term project. If you're going to build a detached ADU, you better plan on seven to 12 months. Right. Absolutely. That's it. You got to, things always happen, right? This, the, the, the inspector was delayed. The permit got a little bit backed up. The, the delivery of the containers of the, of the raw materials didn't show. So you always got to budget and give yourself a little bit more time on any aspect that you're mm -hmm. doing. You know? And you know, when, when we're doing multifamily and we're, we're in the acquisitions mode and we're putting out offers, I always throw in you know, an extra 15, 20-day extension because you never know what's going to happen. And I would say about 95% of the time we use those extensions because things happen. The lender's delayed, title company's delayed, you know, whatever it is, there are delays. And if you're not ready for it and if you're not planning for it, you're just going to kick yourself in the ass when it happens. Well, and that's a really good point because the other, you, you talk about title, you talk about lenders. Let's talk about some contractors that are building this for a second. Let's say you've roughed in your whole house. It's roughed in, it's ready for insulation it's ready for drywall and you've got your drywall ske guy scheduled he's coming a week from monday and he's ready to go you've had you, i mean these are the the trades the good trades right now are very um they're very backed up they're very much in demand and so the good trades you, you want to get them scheduled and you want to get it done. Let's say, for example, you're roughed in and you're waiting for the insulation to come and the drywall guy is going to come in a week, whatever. All of a sudden, the insulation guy can't come. 
And you've got everybody lined up from drywallers to tapers and finishers to your cabinet people. They're all lined up in a row on your calendar. You One of those subs doesn't show for whatever reason. Your, your whole timeline is a mess. And it can push your project back a month or two months. Ask me how I know this. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. We talk from experience, right? <laughs> the gray doesn't come just on its own. <laughs> yes. I call what I, what's the word I use? The, 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 the gray experience or the gray hair experiences. It's a good experience. Right. Uh, what, what's the saying? Um, knowledge comes from, from bad choices and wisdom comes from knowledge or something like that. Right. It's, it's, something it's, like that. It, it, you go through life, you, 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 you make a decision, you'll know quickly if it was the right one or the wrong one. And then, and that's how we learn, you know? So it, it doesn't matter what, what you want to do in life, go out there, take risks, mitigate the risks by doing your homework, by having the right people on your team, by knowing what you're doing, mitigate that risk, but take action. As Tony says it, and as you say, massive action. Right. right. Yep. Massive action leads to massive success. You know, it's interesting because when I was traveling around the country and I was doing uh, speaking at real estate clubs, I would I, I started making my second round at these city circuits. So let's say I was going to Dallas and I'd been there 18 months, two years earlier. And I get people that come to see me again at the real estate. Club. Hey, Paul, good to see you. Bought your course, took your mentorship program. Great, John. How are you doing? How many deals have you done? Well, you know, I've got offers in on two properties right now. Great, John. How many deals have you done? Well, I haven't been able to quite pull the trigger yet on any deal. It's like, come on. Give me a break. Two years later, you know, that's it's it's like in any other business. There's a lot of wannabes and there's a lot of doer bees. And mm -hmm. I'd rather work with the doer bees. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? You, you, you just got to get it in your head that sometimes you, we will make mistakes. You know, you got to have big enough shoulders to take on the world and say, yep, that was a mistake. Let's learn from it. Let's not dwell in that error. Let's look at it. Let's adjust and let's continue to move on. Right. Well, of people course. Get, people get so caught up with, oh, my God, I can't believe that that happened. I lost some money. That didn't work out. I didn't make enough money. Things that and they stay in that place, in that mindset, in that physical location, that emotional location, and they never move forward. They never move out of that. Correct. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, they, they, and they get stuck in the mud and, you know, they try two or three offers that don't get accepted. Oh, well, this isn't for me. And my family says I'm stupid and this is really a dumb idea. No. You know what? 5% of your offers are going to get accepted. That means 95% are going to get turned down. So if I make 100 offers, I'm going to get five accepted. If I make 10 offers, I'm going to get a half of one accepted. You know, right. come on. Yep. It's like shucking oysters, right? Got to shuck a lot of oysters to get that one pearl. Yep. Right. So that, that's, that's the kind of the business, right? Absolutely. Listen, uh, we, we have a few minutes left. Um, I want to talk about the dude ranch. <laughs> everybody likes to talk about the dude ranch everybody likes to talk about the dude ranch what what made you decide to go live on a dude ranch or work on a dude ranch what was that whole mindset how was it you know it's interesting because it kind of comes back to some of the things i learned when i was working for tony and some of my beliefs um so it was 2016 and i told you i retired and I sat around for about two weeks and I was calling up my friend Nitsan. Hey, Nitsan, come on, let's go play golf. No, I got to work. Call up Joe. Joe, got it. No, got to work. Got to work. Got to work. Got to work. Everybody's working. I'm freaking bored. Right. And Colorado Paul does not do well being bored. <laughs> and so a buddy of mine came over one Saturday night and this was in April or May of 2016. He came over one Saturday night and he said, well, what are you going to do? I go, let's figure something out. And we sat around and we sat around and we sat around the fire and we actually went and got a bottle of uh, bourbon and opened that up and uh, had some encouragement around the fireplace that night. And he, I told him about the things I like to do. And he had, he's actually a life coach and he's, he's really pretty good at it. So he started asking me questions. And what do you want to do? What are you good at? You know, what are you better at? What do you like to do? And a lot of stuff 
that I came up with was perfect for a dude ranch. And he said, you need to be around people. I love the outdoors. Um, I play the guitar. Uh, I like to cook. I like, you know, I like hosting people. And he goes, well, a dude ranch is perfect for you. I said, that's great, Will. That's great. Only one problem. I'm not a very good horseman. I'm pretty good around horses, but I'm not that good. And my take is wranglers need to know how to horse ride. He goes, I'll tell you what. I think it's what you should do, and I think you should figure out a way to do it. So I wake up the next morning. I'm like, you know, he is right, and it'd be really fun. I'd love to do it. Colorado high country in the summer is the best. And so what I did was I sat down and started doing some research, found the Colorado Dude Ranch Association online. They had 40 or 45 ranches in the Dude Ranch Association. I created a Word document and told them exactly who I was, exactly what I was doing, how old I was. And I said, here's all the things that I think I can do to help you. Boom, 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 boom. You know, I'm a fly fisherman. Um, I like to mountain bike. I can shoot all the stuff that you do on a ranch. And I sent it out to all 40, 45 ranches. And I emailed every one of them. Within a week, I had two calls back from one ranch on the western side of Colorado. And I was living in Denver at the time, so I didn't want to be here on the west side because it's 250 miles from Denver. But then I got a call from a guy named Noel May who owns Black Mountain Ranch in McCoy, Colorado. If you want a great experience, that's one. Uh, so I, I, I set up a time with Noel and we met, he was just getting ready to go off and go helicopter skiing to finish up the ski season. He came back, we met down in golden and he, uh, we talked for about an hour and he said, you know what? I think I got a spot for you. We have this thing that we call a pack camp. And we host people at this pack camp. They go for a ride. We make them dinner and and we, we, we light a fire, we tell stories around the fire, and they go back. And I said, huh, that sounds kind of cool. So he goes, I'd like to hire you. How much money do you want? I said, I don't want any money. I don't need money. I just want to come do it. You guys train me. I'll come do it. We'll have a great time. But Noel's super honorable. He said, you know what? Anybody who comes works for me gets paid. So I just I donated the money to some association. But uh, so he hires me, and I showed up there in May of 2016, and went to work at Black Mountain Ranch and had my cowboy hat and uh, bought some, uh, you know, cowboy looking shirts and wore my jeans and put, had go. my old boots. And I, I did the part, but I loved it, Nissan, because I could go, I could ride all the time. I got to be a good horseman. I uh, got to, I really enjoyed riding, enjoyed fishing up there too. I'm an avid fly fisherman. So that was fun. But what it came down to was making a decision. And once again, if you believe you can or you believe you can't, you are right. Right. And boom, there it was. Been a wrangler up there at Black Mountain and absolutely love it. I'll tell you what, though, hardest damn job I've ever had because those other wranglers were 25 years old. Right. Here comes old 56-year-old Paul coming up there. <laughs> and I made the mistake getting so excited that I wanted to go up there before the guests got there. Well, guess what they did? They put me to work. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> hardest job i've ever had bud but but you know what I, i'm sure you loved it right every second right? every you second loved, it. You, you, loved you, it because it was energizing for you it was something that you enjoyed doing it, it fed you right you know what was neat about it was we would get people from new york city for example mr and mrs johnson with their two kids um and they would come out there and the one thing that black mountain doesn't have is internet service Ah, beautiful. Everybody's got their phones and they get there and they're all twerking them and nobody and they'd have a you know orientation that night. Hey, by the way, Mr. May, my phones don't work. Yeah, they're not gonna work up here. We got no we got no uh, internet access. So I'll tell you a funny story. We were doing a camp out with a group of about 20 of them one night, and it's gorgeous night in July out under the beautiful stars. Um, and you could see the stars up there, the moon and been full a week ago. So as black as black gets, except for the stars. So the kids all brought their uh, little cots out, laid them outside, and they all were going to sleep out at night. Big deal, right? And so they're all laying there. And the kids are the one who had the biggest problem with no internet. Parents loved it. Sure. And so the kids are out there and we're looking up at the stars and I'm telling a story or doing something. And across the sky comes a communication or a satellite, right? 
And one of the kids goes, what kind of satellite is that? I go, oh, it's probably a communication satellite. He says, can I connect now? <laughs> <laughs> but all those parents would tell you it's, the, it's one of the best family vacations they ever have because they're, yeah. they're able to connect with their kids. So yep. it's really fun. It's really fun to be in a part of those people's lives during those times. Awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah, it's great. It was, yeah, it's fantastic. I, I, I definitely want to do that with my kids. It, it'll be a great, uh, I think it'll be a great experience. Well, you let me know when you want to go and I'll set you up up there at Black Mountain. Awesome. Awesome. I'll definitely Actually, any, any of your uh, viewers, just uh, reach out to me and. Well, how um, can they reach out to you? Share, share well, some contact info. You can reach out to me. You can see my website, aduclass.com. If you go there, I give out free trainings on ADUs. Um, I promise you're not going to get spammed with a zillion emails. I'm mm -hmm. not that smart. I don't know internet marketing that well. I'm not that smart. You'll get a couple from me. But go to aduclass.com. If you want some preliminary information on ADUs, happy to do it. If somebody wants to reach out to me, you can direct uh, message me on Instagram at coloradopaul007 or just send me an email, workingcolorado at Gmail. Happy to help you guys out. Happy to set you up at Black Mountain. Happy to answer any questions about ADUs. Um, I really enjoy it and I enjoy talking about them. As a matter of fact, my partner Jeff and I started the National ADU Association oh. and we are currently in talks with AARP and National Association of Home Builders about being a provider of information on ADUs. So ADUs are gaining traction. I strongly suggest anybody that has a single family home that they have some room in the backyard, think, really think hard about building one of these. The ROI is fantastic. And I'm happy to walk someone through a site survey and through some numbers. Happy to do it. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And, 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 and Wendy here says that, uh, you know, awesome information. She lives in Denver and she's been wanting to build an ADU for years for her parents to retire in. So right. you know, there, there is a huge demand for it. You know, people yep. want to, you know, just like you said, our parents, the older generation, they want to, they, they, they want to live in their golden years with some dignity. Right, with mm -hmm. some pride, with some enjoyment, with with independence, and not having to, you know, be a stress or burden on their family, and and pay four, five, six thousand dollars a month for a crappy place to put your parents in. You know, it's just it's it's a terrible thing. My, my I have my mother; she's eighty five years old. She lives in Miami. She's like I, you know, she goes, "Don't ever put me in one of those homes." She goes, I'd rather be dead than go into one of those homes. And she still lives by herself today, 85 years old. She wants that independence, you know? And 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 I think these ADUs are fantastic. My but, mom yeah. too, she's 91, living by herself. She wish, she, she lives on a slope side hill, so we can't build her one. She would like one. Um, we call it multi-generational living. And, you know, we have a silver tsunami coming at this country, Nitsan. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people getting old really fast. And this multi-generational philosophy is really, really good for the mental health of our country. Not just the physical health, but the mental health. After being locked down with COVID, holy cow. Yep. People are ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, Paul, man, it's been fantastic. I really Wonderful. enjoyed speaking with you. I enjoyed having you on the show. You know, definitely have you back on as well. Uh, I'm going to reach out to you for uh, for the Black Mountain stuff, and uh, you know, definitely uh, reach out, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll shoot you a, a a message on Instagram as well. We'll connect there. And and thanks so much for being on the show. You've gotten you know some great information, thanks. great content. You know, thank again, thank you so much for for being a positive force out in the world and. Uh, you know, generating some good vibes. Well, hopefully by the time you have me back on, I will now be the fourth worst golfer in Colorado than the third worst, hopefully. But happy to do it. Love to talk about ADUs. And I just can't encourage people enough to go out and live your dreams. Every day above ground is just a great day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Travelers, thanks so much for being here. Uh, our next live stream is going to be June 3rd again at 3 p.m. Eastern with senior loan officer Alex Poole. We're going to talk about the debt side of real estate and what we need to do and how we look at it and, and what's going on in the market on the debt side. And we still got the $7 perfect money raising system happening now. I teach you and I show you all the steps that I use to raise capital to buy millions and millions of dollars of real estate. And you know my buy one, get one offer for my group coaching call is happening now every Friday at uh, what is it, 2 p.m. Eastern, we get on a group coaching and we talk about real estate, 
You can ask any questions and we can dive in and talk about that. So that's a buy one, get one. You, you sign up for one month, get the next month free. That's always there. Uh, once again, travelers, thanks so much for being here. I'm Nitsan Mosby, the traveling investor with Colorado Paul on the line as well. And we'll see you next week somewhere on Spaceship Earth. Take care. Have a blessed weekend.